You're tuned into More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcast live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator, and he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for over 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn because more living with Jim Brogan starts now. Happy Saturday, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. You know, the average age for retirement for Americans is 66 years old, according to a recent Gallup poll. Now, that's up from the 1990s when the retire, the average retirement age was age 60. So we're working longer, but we're also living longer and longer lives. How much you've saved, the, entire, the environment you retire into, and the lifestyle you want to achieve all play into how successful you'll be in retirement. And you've heard me say many times, the plan that gets you to retirement is not the plan that will get you through retirement. And that's because of the need to generate retirement income. That's the main reason. Uh, There are other reasons, of course, but that is the main reason. You no longer have earned income, so now that hard-earned life savings needs to produce that dependable income that will increase over time and hopefully that will last longer than you do. Today I'm excited to welcome back an old friend of mine, Dr. Wade Fowle. I say an old friend. We've known each other for many, many years, uh, but he is younger than I am, so I'm not (laughs) anyway. But he holds a doctorate in economics and a master's degree from Princeton University and a Bachelor of Arts and Bachelor of Science degrees from the University of Iowa. He is an expert on retirement income planning and someone that I respect immensely in the field of of retirement planning. So we're going to get into some of the challenges that today's retirees are facing in light of the current economic realities. Hello, Wade. Welcome back to More Living. It's great to talk with you again. Good morning, Jim. It's great to be here and to talk to you again. And Yes, I think we've known each other now. It's probably been 10 years at this point. It has. We met at a retirement income conference in Iowa. What I remember about that, Wade, is you are actually going to be on my show on, on More Living for the first time that Saturday, and we were sitting together. Uh, right beside each other at that conference, and I saw your name, and I just thought that was so funny, and we've uh, we've kind of kept in touch ever since. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Burlington, Iowa, right on the Mississippi River. <laughs> That's right. Wade, I want to start, before we get into retirement income and retirement planning, I, you do have a Ph.D. in in uh, economics, and I want to talk about some of the economic challenges we face right now. You know, the Fed is trying to fight inflation. Inflation, of course, is a is a big risk, always has been to retirees, and it's especially important now uh, with inflation being higher. Talk a little bit, if you will, Wade, about your opinion of the impact of the Federal Reserve policy. And I want to hit that on two areas. Number one, how much did the Federal Reserve contribute to this with their easy money policy for 15 years? And then number two, 
do you think they're doing the right things with increasing rates? Uh-huh. Well, I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's really hard to forecast or predict these things. And what we can do is look to market expectations where you can compare traditional treasury bonds against the treasury inflation protected securities or tips that offer that uh, real interest rate plus whatever inflation ends up being. And the markets do expect inflation to come back under control. It is seen as more of a temporary blip. And I know a lot of people worry about the government spending. Is that going to create long-term higher inflation? It certainly could, but the markets do expect it to get under control. And simply for anyone who's worried that inflation may be higher than 2 or 2.5% two over the long term, may be motivated to look at something more like tips instead of traditional treasury bonds because they would perform better in a high inflation environment. And whenever inflation is higher, then that sort of baked-in number built into those uh, market expectations. Well, you know, now that you mention that, Wade, uh, you know, most people that have that traditional stock bond mix, it's so common, we see it all over, kind of a 60-40 mix or 70-30 stock funds and stocks or stock funds and bond or bond funds. That bond mix typically... What I've seen has been very heavy in traditional U.S. bonds, and the reality is you mentioned tips, and there are other alternatives that I would call non-traditional bonds that do work differently than traditional bonds. Do you think that traditional bond approach could be dangerous over the next 10 to 20 years? Well, I, I think so, and that's partly just we saw that in 2022. Everyone needs to understand that if interest rates go up, which did happen in 2022, that causes losses on traditional bonds. And so that's why the kind of average U.S. bond in the year 2022 lost more than 10%. And that could happen if interest rates continue to rise in the future. You would see those losses. And and so certainly they're all alternatives. And, And right, when we start to talk about retirement, and it was great how you phrased that in the beginning intro to the show, when you're in retirement, things are different. And traditional bonds are not very effective at funding retirement spending goals, especially if you have a household where your expenditures tend to grow with inflation because rising inflation does tend to lead to higher interest rates, which does lead to losses on traditional bond funds. That's so exactly it is right. important to kind of, yeah, think about it more broadly for retirement. Spe- speaking on economics, Wade, what do you think of the current debt situation? You know, it's interesting. You hear a lot of people that are kind of gloom and doom about our debt levels, but then you hear others say they're not too concerned about our debt. You look at a country like Japan that's at 300% debt to GDP. We're at about 120, 125, which seems high. What is your view of on the federal debt? Well, I'm I'm probably somewhere in the middle of that, concerned, but not overly concerned. I don't know if Japan's the right comparison. Japan's kind of a unique situation in that government debt in Japan is just different government agencies own the debt of other government agencies. And so really, if you look at like external debt outside of the the government, it's not that sort of 300 percent debt to GDP ratio. But You know, people worry when you start getting the debt levels like what the U.S. has, that is concerning. And the the concern there is if it hasn't, I mean, people have been worried about this for a long time. Do we ever hit the inflection point where it starts to spiral out of control with rising rates leading to the pressure to release more bonds, which then pushes up interest rates further and pushes up inflation? And 
it's certainly within the realm of possibility. I wouldn't say it's a certainty, but it's not something that we can entirely discount either. Yeah, and I'm kind of with you. I'm kind of in the middle. One of the things that is interesting is, you know, last year, going, uh, debt, you know, our debt service as a percentage of spending, as a percentage of budget, was about 11%, and it is projected to be 15% by the end of the year. And a lot of that, of course, is the increase in interest rates as as treasuries have <laughs> matured and, we, and the government's issued new treasuries at higher rates. And historically, when the debt service gets up around 15%, market forces typically start applying pressure on Congress and Washington to really kind of do something about it. At least that's what I've seen in the past is the markets kind of start to create some pressure. Right, and that it motivates the government to really not want interest rates to rise too high, just because, as you're noting, sure. it increases the costs of borrowing for the government. Now, Wade, you let, let's let's dive into retirement planning and and your focus. You recently, now you were at the American College of Financial Services for years. You recently left the world of academia. Talk about your uh, your recent move and what you're doing now. I did, yes. I mean, for the first time in my career, I, I do still have a title with the college, so I can say I'm a professor, but I'm not a day-to-day -day active professor for the first time in my career. I did go in that more entrepreneurial direction with just, you know, my books and trying to promoting my books. And uh, we created this retirement income style awareness. We realized it was initially just a research study to try to provide a questionnaire to help people just think about what sort of retirement strategy would they like to pursue? Because there's a lot of options out there, and at the end of the day, they're all viable. Not everyone believes that. Some people just believe one, one approach is best for everyone, but at the end of the day, I do think people's preferences are important to consider. And so what started as a research study has become an actual business for us. And so this year in particular, I'm really trying to build out this idea of the retirement income style awareness as a first step in the transition from pre-retirement to retirement, to just start thinking about how, how would you be most comfortable building a retirement strategy? What sort of approach would you like to use? Well, and your work has been critical, and, and I've learned a lot from your research over the years. I know for those, and we're going to dive into those retirement income styles today. I know of those four, you know, one of those, the total return approach that we'll get into is kind of the more traditional Kind of when I said the plan that gets you to retirement will not get the be the plan to get you through retirement, um, but it is a retirement income style. Uh, but the other three are more focused on specific retirement needs. So we're visiting with Dr. <laughs> Wade Fowl. Uh, he heads up, uh, as he had said, the uh, Retirement Income Style Awareness Program. And when we come back, we're going to dive into that, retirement income st styles, the need. How can you create stability of income in, that's not dependent on the stock market in the short term, but can provide growth of income in the long term to fight inflation? So stay with us. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. 
I'm your host, Jim Brogan. You can catch us every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. and again from 3 to 4 p.m. You can also podcast all of our shows on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just type in More Living with Jim Brogan. Uh, We'll have today's show up on our podcast by Tuesday afternoon. Uh, So do check that out. You can also stream them online at our website. Go to BroganFinancial.com and click on radio. We're visiting with Dr. Wade Fowle. He's really a pioneer in many ways uh, and an expert in the field of retirement income planning and been a longtime friend of the show. And Wade, um, I want to hit real quickly on the need when, when you cross that line into retirement and you now are no longer accumulating and growing wealth, you now need to start spending down your wealth. The difference, you know, I said the plan that gets you to retirement is not the plan that typically will get you through retirement. Can you comment on, you know, you obviously specialize in income planning. Can you comment a little bit about that, the importance of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the way you phrased that. And certainly I agree with that as well, that so much changes in retirement when you're uh, you're no longer working and spending from your paycheck. You now have to spend from your assets. So, yeah, and you suggested before the break about with these retirement income styles, total returns is one of the four styles. And we do, we've done multiple national studies now. It looks like about a third of the population is total returns. And that would be, that's the group that would push back on that statement and say, what do you mean? Uh, I'm comfortable relying on the stock market. I really value the flexibility of investments. I don't really care about predictable income. I'm willing to let my income fluctuate or my spending fluctuate based on how the market does. I'd rather really focus on maximizing the returns to my investments. And so that's the total return approach. And that's the approach that's most like pre-retirement when people are saving for retirement. But what we consistently find is about two-thirds of the population would really take a step back and say, yeah, that makes a lot of sense what you said. (laughs) Your approach changes in retirement. People are not necessarily comfortable relying on the stock market to fund their essential spending in retirement. They really may either value some protection or either commitment to a strategy that can solve their lifetime need. And that's where we do consistently find about two-thirds of the population, I think, really would resonate with what you're saying. And and I try to be agnostic about this. About a third of the population would say, no, no, it's okay. I can just continue with my investment-based approach that I use pre-retirement. And that will also work in my retirement. Well, well. I can tell you, Wade, from the classes I teach and from doing the show, you know, the, the, the and I understand that is a retirement income style. And uh, also, I want to clarify, I'm a big believer in stock market investing in the long term. And somebody retiring at age 65 uh, really needs to have long-term growth to fight inflation. And the, historically, the best thing to do that has been the stock market. The problem is that the stock market in the short term is just completely unpredictable and is, of course, is very volatile potentially. And so people just don't have that stability in the short term. And I've seen too many people, you know, that, uh, you know, either put off retirement because of a market decline shortly before retirement. And now the stock market is determining their ability to retire on their, and they can't retire on their terms. Or, 
they retire and then the market declines and it could be devastating. Can you talk a little bit, Wade? I know this is research that I've studied that you've produced about that first five to 10 years and how important that can be in terms of somebody's retirement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. In terms of the pure mathematics, it's really hard to say total returns that investments only is not a better approach because this is never all or nothing. Absolutely. All the retirement styles include a role for the stock market, a role for an investment portfolio for the long-term growth. But it's more about when it comes to my core spending need in retirement, would I like to have some sort of protections in place? whether that's individual bonds, whether that's some form of insurance, to cover the basics, which then can make me feel more comfortable investing the remainder of my assets for growth. Because even if the market doesn't cooperate, I don't necessarily uh, destroy my entire retirement lifestyle. I do have my basics covered through some other source. And that can give people more motivation and comfort to actually invest the rest in the stock market, which... With a pure total returns approach, if people are told there's no other option, you have to use investments only, they may really struggle to maintain the type of stock allocation they need for the long-term market growth. Yeah, so talk and, about and – yeah. well, I did, could you define what a total return approach is? You know, I think that's important for our listeners to hear that may not understand what is a total return approach. So a total return approach says – it's effectively what people are doing pre-retirement, that you have a diversified investment portfolio. And going back to the original research from Bill Bengen, who created the 4% rule, that's really the heart of the idea behind the total return approach. You have a portfolio of approximately 50 to 75% stocks, and that should give you sufficient long-term growth that you can suspend, uh, spend from that in a sustainable manner and not necessarily worry about running out of money because that high stock allocation, even though stocks are risky and there can be market downturns. And as you're hinting at this, if when you're spending from a portfolio, a market downturn can have a more devastating impact because you're now spending from a a declining portfolio. And then even if the overall market recovers, your own portfolio doesn't get a chance to enjoy that full recovery because you already sold part of it to cover your spending needs when it was down. And that's kind of the problem, that those who are total return are willing to say, yeah, I, I understand that idea, but it's okay. The stock market will be fine. I can reliably spend in a manner consistent with what may have worked looking back at U.S. historical data and so forth. And just not everyone's comfortable with that. That's where two-thirds of the population would push back on that notion that you can't necessarily just rely only on a diversified investment portfolio to fund your spending in retirement, at least all of your spending, so including your essential spending. Let, let's get into a couple of the others. Now, you, as you know, Wade, I'm a big fan of time segmentation. Um, you know, there's also income protection and risk wrap, which are the other three Uh, retirement income styles. Why don't you first hit a little Mm -hmm. bit about time segmentation? Sure, sure. So time segmentation still values having a lot of options so that you can make changes and just respond to new situations. But you're also seeking some sort of protection. And really the easiest way to frame it is you, you start to invest differently based on the time horizon. It's no longer just one big portfolio that you're drawing from, but it's more, well, if I want some bonds in my portfolio, 
I'll earmark, earmark those bonds to cover the spending over the next, say, three to five to seven years. And then that gives me a runway where the rest of, like, my, my, invest, my stocks and so forth are now earmarked more for longer-term expenses. And for some people, that really provides comfort around, well, even if the uh, market is down, I now have this runway where I don't have to worry about it. And historically, stocks always do tend to come up after a downturn, and that gives me that window to be able to endure any sort of market downturn. And that, that's the basic idea don't. of time segmentation. Yeah, as long as you don't lose too much in the interim. Uh, you know, certainly over a three to five to seven year term, the stock market can be, you know, can be, uh, you know, pretty punishing. You know, it's not mm -hmm. like somebody that has 15 to 20 years to wait on the stock market to average out. Uh, talk a little bit about income protection. We have a colleague that calls it paychecks and playchecks. Talk a little mm -hmm. bit about that, that, about that focus. Yeah, so income protection, and with all these, you, you start looking at, well, of course, most people will have Social Security. Some people may have a traditional company pension. But after those types of reliable income sources, you look at how much do I want to spend in a manner that's not dependent on stock market performance? Do I have enough already through Social Security and so forth? If not, income protection points to, I'd like to fill that gap with some sort of protected lifetime income. Generally, well, we're talking about like the annuity world now, it's just some sort of fixed annuity offering lifetime income protections that usually in, in the worst case scenarios would have the highest payouts to their owners. And, and so I look to fill that gap and cover my essential spending through a, a generally more like a fixed annuity type of an approach. And that gets my basics covered so that now I don't have to be as worried about stock market volatility with my other assets. I can invest and potentially invest more aggressively and, and get that long-term market growth. And that it's just it's making that distinction between core spending, covering that with protected lifetime income, and then discretionary spending and covering that with a, a growth-based investment strategy. Yeah, and I want to piggyback on one thing you said there, which is, you know, um, when you when you do a guaranteed annuity income, uh, it does provide, and I talk about this in my class, Wade, at the University of Tennessee, it does provide for someone to be able to maybe draw a little bit more income in retirement with safety because they have a safety net. But there's a cost for that insurance, right? And, and typically that's going to be borne by the estate. Is that a fair way to say that? Because it's always a trade-off. Well, yeah, I... I, just in a pure mathematical sense, I do tend to push back on that a little bit. It's the way that this works best is not to sell from the stock market to fund the protected income. It's to use more part of that bond allocation to fund the protected income so that you're not necessarily losing the long-term growth potential. Now, certainly in the short run, the, the annuity may not provide as much as the legacy in the legacy. But you still, if people don't end up living very long, there's a lot of assets left over. Once you start getting past your life expectancy, so you're like looking at people who are living into their 80s and certainly into their 90s, that's where the annuity is providing so much more income than bonds would have been able to do, reducing pressure on those other investments where you had that growth-based focus. And in the long run, it, it doesn't necessarily lead to a trade-off where you're giving up potential legacy to your beneficiaries. 
Uh, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. I, I, I completely agree with that. I, I guess uh, what I'm saying is there is a cost for income guarantees, uh, but the benefit, <laughs> oh, yeah. but there's also a tremendous benefit if one of the, or both spouses live a long life. And that kind of underscores to me, way that one of the really the tenets of most people that I talk to that, that want to do retirement planning um, you know, I'm talking about that the, cl- the clients and, and consumers in East Tennessee is, you know, planning for retirement income is a very much a risk management uh, exercise because you're saying, hey, what are the risks to my retirement income over time and how do I mitigate those risks? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. You're looking at all your household assets and positioning them to meet your goals while also managing the risk in front of those goals. And, and different sure. financial approaches manage those risks in different manners. We're visiting with Dr. Wade Fowl. He is a pioneer in our industry on retirement income style, and he has uh, recently left the American College of Financial Services, and now, uh, although he's still on staff there as a professor, but he's focusing his efforts on retirement income style. One of the things I love about Wade is these four income styles. He is agnostic, so uh, you know it's what's best for the for you as a consumer to serve your retirement needs. When we come back, I want to dive a little bit more into things like Social Security, Medicare. I want to talk about the importance of tax planning, and I do want to talk about longevity of life. Uh, There's some very interesting data that that I've weighed uh, that's something you've talked about in talking about Social Security calculations that I think is very, very revealing and important for people to understand. So please stay with us as we visit with Dr. Wade Fowle. This is More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Thanks for listening to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. My next class is actually Tuesday night, and it's retirement income planning. It's, it's, so it's on this very topic. It's through the University of Tennessee Center for Lifelong Learning, through their adult education. It is a one-night, two-hour class. So in one night, I hit all of the big things that I think you need to be aware of with retirement income planning. Uh, again, that's Tuesday night at the downtown UT Conference Center. Uh, You can find out more. Go to BroganFinancial.com and click on Classes. You can also call the University of Tennessee directly at 974-0150. Or again, go to BroganFinancial.com and click on Classes. And there's a link there uh, to the website. You can download a syllabus, learn more about what we'll be teaching. I believe that course fee is $39. So I'd love to see you there. We're visiting this morning with Dr. Wade Fowle, who is a real pioneer in the field of retirement income planning. And one thing I want to hit on there, Wade, that's so important, I think, I mentioned before the break there, I love that that you are agnostic on the different types of retirement planning styles. It's about, you know, what's the best fit for any individual consumer. I do want to mention the importance of human behavior and emotion. You know, you actually said in a recent Q&A 
the biggest risk that a lot of people face in the retirement transition is getting themselves into a situation where they abandon their plan or strategy because they just aren't comfortable with it. Can you expand on that a little bit and the importance of identifying the best retirement style in terms of human behavior? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that can circle back a little bit where we're talking about that total return approach. And as mentioned, how it seems like that resonates with about a third of the population. But that's certainly not where the consumer media is focused. It's like when you read about retirement income in the, the broader media, it's usually like 95% about total return. And then only a little bit of lip service might be paid to one of the others. And so the concern is a lot of people are getting pushed into a total return approach. And it's appropriate for some, but a lot of the individuals who end up with that using that approach, it really wasn't the right approach for them. And then they're, they're told, you know, you just you use this portfolio, whether it's 60-40 portfolio or whatever the case is, and you'll be fine. And people are not always comfortable with that. And then, well, when the market goes down, they're reminded of those discomforts, and then they decide to abandon the strategy. And that's generally the worst possible time to do something like that. But they would have been a lot better off if they could have just been in a proper approach from the beginning rather than having to figure it out after the fact. That they well, were the, not reality the, is, all, the reality is all these income styles, you know, there's no perfect solution. I mean, you know, there's there's different risks no matter what you do. There's no sure things in life. Now, some, some might provide a little more protection. Some might provide a little bit more growth potential, but there's no perfect elixir, if you will. So I think it's just important to understand this going in and make sure you identify things like risk and reward in terms of your investments and your income. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, risk and reward, measuring that, I think, is so critically important. I think uh, in terms of our human behavior, it's important that we don't get an outcome that is way outside the realm of what we thought was possible. You know, we know markets go up. We know markets go down. We know markets are completely unpredictable in the short term. The question is, What's going to happen to your investments when the market booms? And just as importantly, or maybe more importantly, what's going to happen with your investments when the market inevitably busts? And make sure that, you know, you don't get an outcome that is just radically different than what you were expecting, because then you could make a human behavioral big mistake, as you mentioned, and abandon a strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also, if you're someone who gets to retirement and you're in good shape at that point, you can do a thought exercise about, well, how much better would my lifestyle be if suddenly my wealth doubled? And if you're already in pretty good shape, of course, maybe your lifestyle would be a little better, but you're not necessarily going to just double your enjoyment of retirement if your wealth doubled versus think about, well, what would happen if my wealth dropped in half? That could dramatically uh hurt or impact your lifestyle in a negative manner. And so then it's it's sort of, it's not a balance in that trade-off. It's, I don't necessarily just need to double my wealth because that's not going to help as much if it creates the risk that it could hurt my wealth and really disrupt my lifestyle. The, the risk of losing at that point could be much more impactful than any sort of benefit from, from further gains. And that's where the total return approach focuses on just maximizing portfolio returns. The, once you get away from that sort of thought process, people are much more focused on 
no, let's maintain the lifestyle and have less volatility for what we can spend. Uh, and that's okay if we don't necessarily maximize our returns at the same time. Yeah, so there's just trade-offs you have to be aware of. I think that's extremely well said. Let's talk about Social Security. You recently published a report on Social Security and the timing of when you elect to take benefits. What did you find in your study? Oh, well, we've had uh, – so your full retirement age is when you get, quote-unquote, 100% of your benefit, but you can delay until up to 70, or you can claim as early as 62. If you delay, you'll get a higher benefit as a reward for that. If you claim earlier, you'll get a reduced benefit, but you'll then get your benefit for longer. It's just important to recognize that the framework we have today was created in 1983, and interest rates were a lot higher in 1983, as well as people were not living as long in 1983. So, in 1983, it, it wasn't supposed to matter which age you claimed. If you lived to your life expectancy, you get the same amount of benefits. If you claimed at 62, you get a smaller benefit, but you get it for longer, it balanced out. Today, that's no longer true because interest rates are lower and because people are living longer. It really favors having a much better chance to have more lifetime income through Social Security at least for the high earner in a couple to delay social security benefits till closer to age 70 rather than earlier or closer to age 62. Yeah, you know, uh, so let's talk about longevity, Wade. You know, how long, or if, if a couple retires today at 65 years old, how long mm -hmm. are they expected to live as a couple? You know, how, how, how will they live into their 90s? What would be kind of average life expectancy for somebody 65 years old? Mm -hmm. Well, yes, living into the 90s is a distinct possibility for each individual, and, and women do tend to live longer than men, but we're, for men, the life expectancy would be in their mid-80s, for women, late 80s, but when you then talk about a couple, you've now got two people who have a shot at living a long time, and so the odds of one of them living a long time is greater, and we're getting to the point where if you have a couple who they're not smokers and they're in reasonably good health. It's there's almost uh, like a coin flip about whether one of them, we don't know which one it would generally be the woman, but a good chance, a coin flip that one of them is going to make it until about age 95 or age 94. And so longevity is definitely with us and we have to think about it differently. Over time, people are living longer. So it's not possible to just say, Oh, well, my parents didn't live as long. Uh, you have a dramatically improved chance at outliving your parents just do these medical improvements and everything else that we've seen. So that's very interesting, Wade. So, so the Social Security numbers that we look at, like the increase from age, regardless of when you were born, the increase in Social Security benefit from age 62 to age 70, if you delay, is over 75%. So what I hear you saying is when that was put into effect in 1983, it was put into effect where in the long run, when you look at large numbers of people, it kind of washes out. But that that's not necessarily true right now because interest rates are lower and because people are living longer. So delaying can be very, very powerful strategy for security of income. Now, what would you say to the thought that some people cannot afford to delay their benefit if they eat too much into their savings while they're waiting? 
Well, partly, uh, it's okay to eat into your savings. If, say, you're retired at 62 and you're saying, well, should I claim now or should I delay? And if I delay, I have to spend from my savings in the meantime. It's a, it can be just now if you like the problem is if people don't have other savings, then they may just ultimately have no choice but to claim early. But if you do have a nice nest egg that you've saved up at the same time, you can justify spending it more aggressively for those first eight years because your subsequent social security benefit is so much higher that you can then spend so much less from your investments that you're going to be better off if at least the high earner in the couple would have made it be passed around age 80 when the last member of that couple passes away. And, and you, then it's if the high earner is older, <laughs> there's an even bigger chance that this could happen. You're going to be sure. so much better off with those higher Social Security benefits. It's an inflation-adjusted, protected lifetime income uh, with that survivor benefit. That, that will help so much that you can really justify spending other assets faster. What would you I know say a lot of people are worried about... Oh, yeah. No, go you ahead, be asking no, my, no, no, my apologies. Go ahead. Well, yeah, just the... I think a lot of people are worried Social Security may disappear or something like that. It always... There's a new trust fund report every year, and the, the 2023 report says that the combined trust funds for the old age survivor and disability benefits will deplete in 2034, and if nothing is done, Congress might have to reduce benefits by 25% to have enough payroll taxes coming in to pay out the promised benefits. That's really the worst case scenario, but I think a lot of people don't understand that they think when the trust fund runs out in 2034, Social Security would disappear, and that's not the case at all. You still have payroll taxes coming in to pay benefits. You can't pay 100% of the promised benefits. But ultimately, some sort of reform will be needed that would be some combination of benefit cuts, although probably more for younger people rather than people near retirement as well as taxing. Yeah, and actually, yeah, I think uh, for someone that's already age 60, uh, I'm not going to say there couldn't be any changes. There most certainly could be changes in the taxation of Social Security benefits, I think, um, for higher earners. But... You know, I'm not a gloom and doomer either. But that actually was the question I was getting ready to ask you is about the solvency. So when we come back, I do want to talk about Social Security and Medicare solvency and some of the proposals from the Biden administration and what we're hearing out of Washington to help uh, maybe alleviate some of these problems. So stay with us. We're visiting with Dr. Wade Fowle. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI as we talk about retirement income. And my next class through the University of Tennessee is actually this Tuesday night. It's a one-night class, 6.30 to 8.30, through the Center for Lifelong Learning at UT's Downtown Conference Center. You can find out more. Go to brokenfinancial.com and click on Classes, and there's a link there. Uh, to be able to download the syllabus and click to register with the University of Tennessee. We've been visiting with Dr. Wade Fowl. He's an old friend and a long, long time's better. Long time, he's younger than I am. Long term, long, long term friend and colleague um, that is really a leader in our industry on retirement income planning. Wade, I just can't believe we're almost out of time here. We just got about three or four minutes left. 
but let's talk about Social Security and Medicare. You know, there are challenges um, with the solvency of Social Security, and then there's the, the liabilities for Medicare, I think, are probably the elephant in the room. Uh, you had mentioned you see the focus being more on maybe there to be changes in structure for younger people, things like raising the full retirement age. Uh, but there are there have been there has been a lot talked in Washington about increasing payroll tax. You know it's capped right now at a, at roughly $160,000. When you get up over that, you know there there's a cap, and that payroll tax is what largely pays for a lot of this stuff. Can you walk through what the latest is you're hearing on what may come out of Washington and what's being discussed to help pay for the future of Social Security and Medicare? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you mentioned that before the break, I pulled up the website, the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget that lets you play around with Social Security reform options to just see what sort of impact it would have. The idea is Social Security would like to be solvent over the next 75 years. And one of the proposals that's been brought up a few times, although it never got anywhere, and so I don't know if it's really dead in the water at this point, but to return the payroll tax once your income, you get a break at that 160000 but then once you get up to, say, $400,000, then it's reintroduced that 12.4% old age survivor and disability insurance tax uh, would return for incomes, again, above that level. And at their website, they indicate that would close about 45% of the gap that we currently face over the subsequent 75 years. So that that's an option. That would not impact current retirees at all. It would be a way to raise more revenues for Social Security. Well, I think that's actually something that's interesting. This isn't really on topic, but in terms of tax planning, a lot of people, when they retire, they don't really understand that 7.65% hit to their income. That is an extra tax that in retirement, they're not going to have to pay that 7.65%. They're just going to pay their federal income tax. But let's talk about tax. With our current budget issues, do you think, we, we know tax rates are going up in 2026, what is the risk longer term, and do you think uh, taking advantage, Ed Slot talks about this might be as good of, a, of an opportunity for tax planning that we've seen ever or may see in the rest <laughs> of our lives. Just Unfortunately, we only got about 40 or 45 seconds here, Wade, but what would you say about tax planning today? Oh, I, I think that's huge. I've done a lot of research in that area, and the idea is that in lower income years, taking advantage of the opportunity to do Roth conversions so that once RMDs begin required minimum distributions, that can be a real tax impact that people don't realize. They have to suddenly take all this money out of their IRA that they may not need to spend. That can push them into a much worse tax situation. And so planning and in the short term, paying a higher tax can sometimes benefit you over the long term to have a much better financial situation. That's what the tax planning for retirement is all about. Dr. Wade Fowle. Thank you so much for being with us. I hate we're out of time, but you're always so uh, generous with your time. Great to catch up with you today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great talking to you, Jim. Always great to have Dr. Wade Fowl, again, uh, with his pioneering research in the field of retirement income and his new retirement income style awareness program. Uh, Today we've talked about retirement income because provider wealth, greater wealth provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Thank you to Chris for engineering the show. Thank you to Jill for helping produce the show. Be sure to check out my next class. 
Go to, fun, go to BroganFinancial.com and click on classes. It's Tuesday night, Retirement Income Planning through the University of Tennessee Lifetime Learning Center. Thank you for tuning in this week. This is More Living with Jim Brogan, only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.